the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Everybody, another Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer. Yeah, some heads are going to roll from Judas Priest's uh, "Defenders of the Faith." I almost had a list there. Come on, Halford, sing it, baby. Here we go. Oh yeah, I, you know it's funny. Um, as you all know, I record this show during the week um, to air on Sunday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern. If you happen to listen live, I appreciate that. If you don't, you listen on the podcast. I appreciate you as well. You can follow us everywhere, including the Hopped Up Network, Odyssey, uh, Alexa, iHeart. We're all over the place. Just do a search Google Podcasts. Just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast, and you can download all of the shows there. Coming up in 20 minutes, co-owner Ryan Koga of Carbon 4 Brewing, who along with his brother Zach have brought back Ale Asylum Beers to Wisconsin. He'll join me on the program. It's an interview I recorded a few weeks ago back in March, and that's coming up in just about 20 minutes from now. So I'm on my way into work, and I'm flipping around Sirius XM, and uh, on Ozzy's Boneyard, what happens? Some heads are going to roll, pops on. And it brought me back to a memory. This is the great thing about music. It brought me back to a memory of listening to that particular song in 1984 uh, on Reed Avenue in Staten Island, New York, with my friends, summertime. Now, I know the album came out in March of 84, but it was summertime of that year, and we were listening to that album in its entirety because that's what we used to do. You know, the radio wouldn't play the stuff you wanted to, so you would, you know, pull out cassette tapes or whatever, and you would you would listen to a full album. you have to flip the tape over. Um, you know, it was just, that's what you did. There was no downloading and streaming and all this other stuff. I shudder to think what we would have done as a society, if we had all of that stuff back in the 80s. It's a question for another time. Anyway, let us dive into some beer news, because there's plenty of it. Belching Beaver, the damn good times brewery headquartered in San Diego's uh, county's city of Oceanside, California, started distribution in Pittsburgh uh, last week and throughout Allegheny County via wholesale distributor Wilson McGinley. Pennsylvania becomes the 13th state outside of California and the farthest east to carry the brewery's beer. Seven different beers, including two on draft, now available at restaurants, bars, and retail locations throughout the Steel City and surrounding areas. One 12-pack variety pack is also available, as well as one 19.2-ounce stovepipe can that's being sold at retail as well. Now, the two beers on draft, Peanut Butter Milk Stout Nitro at 5.3% ABV and the Deftones Phantom Bride IPA at 7.1% uh, ABV. 
Four different six-packs, 12-ounce cans available. The original peanut butter milk stout, which is a fantastic beer. Deftones Phantom Bright IPA. Hazer is going to haze hazy IPA, easy for me to say. Uh, and the Tropical Terps IPA, which is the latest addition to the brewery's core lineup. Now, the 12-pack, you get three cans each of Phantom Bright IPA. Hazer is going to haze hazy IPA. Fall of Troy Orange and Vanilla Imperial IPA. And the No Worries West Coast IPA, which won a gold medal at the 2022 International Beer Cup, hosted by the Craft Beer Association of Japan in the American-style India Pale Ale category. And the 19.2-ounce stovepipe can is a Fall of Troy Orange and Vanilla Imperial IPA. So uh, this is the farthest east that they've gone. This is great. Belching Beaver, great brewery, which I've never been to. I've had some of their beers, and I've never actually been there. And I am so wanting to pull a trip to San Diego this year whether it's with my wife or friends or solo or whatever, um, just to do beer stuff for an extended period of time. Uh, I would really enjoy doing that. Um, And if I do, Belching Beaver is going to be one of those stops for sure. Uh, Moving along, uh, if you are attending the craft beer uh, conference in in Nashville, I am not, but if you are, uh, Paul uh, Cawthon, he's going to headline a free concert at the Music City Walk of Fame Park for a special live music experience that can only happen during CBC Nashville. Outlaw Country Music's rising singer-songwriter uh, and steward of a rich, resonant, bass-leaning tenor dubbed Big Velvet, Paul Cawthon covers a lot of ground and his music embodies a lot of characters. Uh, you can meet all of them in the iconic Walk of Fame on Monday, May 8th, paired with craft beer and food trucks deep in the heart of downtown Music City. The event, free to attend. CBC attendees can find free beer tickets at sponsor booths throughout the CBC Expo. And additional details are available at craftbeermusic.com if you want to check that out. So that's uh, that's pretty cool there. Uh, Shawnee Craft Brewing and Wall and Paul Pack Brewing uh, are collaborating a new beer series, Lakes and Rivers, on Thursday, April sixth. Uh, they did this um, this new collaboration. It's out about a week uh, already. Uh, the first two beers in the series it's an Imperial Pilsner and an Imperial Schwartz beer which are available now in both brewery tap rooms and through their distribution channels. There are currently three beers in the Lakes and Rivers collaboration series, the Imperial Pilsner, the Imperial Schwartz beer, and a barrel-aged Imperial Schwartz beer. All three of these beers are big lagers, alcohol over 8.5%. Um, usually lagers are around 5%. They're not big boomers. Uh, but Lakes and River beers are available on tap right now and in 16-ounce cans in both Shawnee Craft and Wallenpaw Pack tap rooms. The Lakes and Rivers barrel-aged Imperial Schwartz beer is anticipated to be available at the end of this month. See, isn't it great breweries in Pennsylvania can collaborate on a beer and then they can sell them at both locations? Did you know in New Jersey, if if one Jersey brewery collaborates with another Jersey brewery, only the brewery that actually made the collab in their facility can actually release the beer? You can't get it at the other brewery? It's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Again, New Jersey laws archaic as they are, and we're going to talk about that in our next segment, of how the legislature uh, is not going along with Governor Murphy's idea of getting rid of all of the liquor licenses and redoing uh, liquor laws in the state of New Jersey. It's interesting. You want to to stay tuned for that because it's some interesting stuff. Um, Lukey Brewery, our good friends over at Lukey Brewery, thanks to uh, my good friend Shay Franz. uh, uh, um, She has a PR firm whose name escapes me at the moment, Indie Creative. There it is. See, it popped in my head. 
Uh, she sent me this about a week ago, and I was just able, I wasn't able to get to it last week. But Lukey Brewery was awarded a silver medal of the, at the 2023 Best of Craft Beer Awards. Took place between March 31st and April 2nd in Bend, Oregon. The ninth annual Best of Craft Beer Awards, one of America's fastest growing beer competitions. They were recognized. Lukey was in the Juicy or Hazy IPA category for Hop Juggling Hazy. It uh, utilizes a mix of classic and newer hops, featuring New Zealand Tehenki hops, Tehenki hops. I, or Taiheki hops. Um, I, I'm guessing that's right. As well as HBC 586. It's a new varietal. And Mackenzie. Hops that are only in their second year of harvest. Hop juggling hazy. A flavor of explosion of grapefruit, nectarine, lemon, and lime. With a minimal bitter bite. It's available on draft right now. And in 32 ounce crowlers at Lukey Brewery. While supplies last is a limited quantity. Uh, if you want to see the rest of the beer winners. Just head over to bestofcraftbeerawards.com. And you can get all of the information there. Um, And then um, Alpine Beer has opened a tap room inside of Petco Park. That's another reason why I want to get out to San Diego. I do want to go to a Padres game because I've heard the beer scene there is actually pretty cool. So Southern California's legendary Alpine Beer has opened an expansive new tap room inside of San Diego's Petco Park, which was named the number one Major League Baseball uh, ballpark. By USA Today, in addition to serving up some of the freshest craft beers you'll find at any Major League Baseball stadium, the Alpine Beer Tap Room at Petco Park features an expansive rooftop bar and a patio setting with beautiful views of San Diego Bay and the Coronado Bridge. Fans have waited all winter for the return of baseball. We are proud to welcome them on opening day with a cold pint of our refreshing hop-forward beers, said Ty Gilmore, President U.S. Beer Tilray Brands, Inc., which bought out Alpine and uh, Green Flash, if I'm not mistaken. We couldn't be more excited to open an Alpine Beer Tap Room at Iconic Petco Park in the heart of the brand's hometown of San Diego. So that's great. Uh, kudos to them. Like I said, when I was there uh, back in 2017, I was not impressed with Green Flash and Alpine. I felt like there was something lacking. Beautiful tap room, just a gorgeous place to visit in Miramar, and yet I was underwhelmed by the beers there. But I hope that um, Tilray Brands, that has now acquired it, um, is going to do it justice. And listen, when you're spending that kind of money to be in a ballpark, um, that's a big deal. So your beer better be on point because San Diegoans uh, know uh, craft beer. So if the beer is not good, uh, they are not going to. Uh, they're not going to be drinking it. Um, you know, for much longer if it's not good. Finally, uh, Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival. We've talked about it. It's coming up. It's just a, a couple months away now. I mean, hard to believe. It's what uh, thirty four. Maybe 50 days away, 50, 55 days away. Um, June 3rd and 4th, Baderfield. Saturday, June 3rd, 2 to 6 p.m., Dropkick Murphys. Uh, Sunday, June 4th, noon to 4 p.m., 311 uh, will be the band. Dropkick Murphys is the first band on Saturday. $75 right now to get your tickets, taxes and fees. VIP is 149 Hops Trot is $120. Uh, group sales, $62 uh, a, a piece, tax and fees. You have to have a party larger than 10 uh, If you want to get them at the gate, going to cost you 85 bucks, And uh, if you want to get them uh, with no taxes and fees, uh, the folks at Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival all over the state uh, for the next couple of weeks, they'll be at alternate ending at the end of this month. Uh, I am definitely going to be stopping by there uh, to support the guys. It's right by my house. It's not too far. It's, a, it's an easy ride. Uh, you definitely want to get there. It is going to be an epic weekend in Atlantic City, and I cannot wait for June 3rd. Actually, June 2nd, because we're going to be getting the party started a little early. Uh, When we come back after a short break, more news and notes from around the beer world, including, as I mentioned, a look at why the New Jersey legislature isn't moving so fast on Governor I Can't Murphy changing 
the liquor license laws. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Oh, yeah. I could let this go all day long. Metal Gods, Judas Priest, Rob Halford, British Steel, which was released on April 14th, 1980. First album to feature uh, Dave Holland on drums. Um, Sixth studio album by, uh, by Priest. It was actually released... On the 11th of April by Columbia Records, but that was in England, and then it was on the 14th um, in the United States. So always great to get back to that album, because such a great, don't have to be old to be wise, uh, Rapid Fire, Living After Midnight, Breaking the Law, of course, Grinder. I mean, just so many great hits on that album. And I know that um, the Judas Priest website is doing, um, you know, uh, you know, 43-year anniversary and, uh, you know, get the, uh, they have a British steel, you know, like denim jacket with the, you know, I was tempted for about a half a second and I saw the price tag and I was like, come on, uh, it was like $125, please. I don't need to spend, I don't need to waste money on uh, on things of that nature as much as I love Judas Priest. Anyway, coming up in 10 minutes, co-owner Ryan Koga of Carbon 4 Brewing along with his brother Zach have brought back uh, Ale Asylum Beers to Wisconsin. Uh, Ryan will join me on the program. This is an interview I recorded a few weeks back in March. That's coming up in just about 10 minutes from now. Um, and some beer news to get to. Uh, just a little tease for you. At the end of the month, we're going to be doing an interview with Jim Betts uh, from Coney Island Brewing. Finally got a chance to, uh, ch- uh, to head out to the brewery and uh, chat with Jim. Jim ended up getting COVID, and we had to cancel uh, the interview that was scheduled a couple of weeks ago, but uh, was out there earlier this week. We had some LMB Spumoni Gardens Pizza. We had some great beer. I got to sample a bunch of different beers at the brewery. It was a lot of fun and definitely a place I need to get back to. It's literally right next to the Brooklyn Cyclone Stadium, which is really cool. So, And it's a big, expansive tap room. Plus, they have food, too, open Wednesday through Sunday. But that's an interview for the end of the month. Let's dive into some beer news. Uh, Trogues has announced the release of Field Study. It's an IPA that's inspired by the brewery's annual trip to the Pacific Northwest's Yakima Valley uh, for hop selection. So uh, Field Study is out now. They use a combination of Citra, Mosaic, and Eldorado uh, to deliver notes of ripe grapefruit, pear, and melon. Uh, Then they use uh, Double Eagle Malt uh, from just outside of Philadelphia, which turns the grains into rustic pale malt. And uh, this is available in 12-ounce bottles and cans across the brewery's distribution footprint. Also, look for Field Study IPA and Trogue's new Canthology Volume 2 Variety Pack. It's available now. And the forthcoming Summer Better Variety 15-pack, that's slated for an early May release when we get details on that. We will let you know, of course, trogs.com um, uh, for more information on all of their beers. Uh, our friends from Lukey Brewery, um, they're doing uh, something for Earth Day, which I think is really cool. Um, they're doing a whole thing about uh, responsible sustainability practices. So Jeff Smith, the co-founder and ringmaster, says, After almost three years, we feel it's time to benchmark our efforts. We're happy to see results like our water usage. Breweries of our size use a median of 13 gallons of water to one gallon of beer out of the tap. 
In 2022, we had a 7 to 1 ratio and will continue efforts to improve as we grow. So on April 22nd, they're going to sh- uh, share their self-reporting, which is the kickoff also to Lukey's Earth Day celebration, which happens to be Earth Day, obviously. They've teamed up with a Scraps Mile High. It's a compost pickup service to brew a beer using a sustainable grain called Kernza from Sustainagrain. The perennial grain uh, grows year-round as massive roots that help improve air, soil, and water quality. Mobius Loop, a light blonde ale with a slight sweet nutty flavor, as well as a five-gallon cask version of the beer. With local honey from the downtown Denver rooftop, Beehives at Civic Center Plaza will tap at noon. And then they're going to have an open house from 3 to 6.30 p.m., inviting uh, the following vendors for an informational open. Easy for me to say. Uh... Scraps Mile High, which I just mentioned, that premier compost pickup service. Homestead in the Hood, bringing high, fresh honey to your home. Rose Roots Community Garden, and they're an organic community garden, and they're going to have more to come. They'll have some music, uh, as well as a food truck that will be stationed at the brewery serving up delicious Salvadorian eats, which is really, really cool. Very cool uh, dealing with Earth Day. Okay, so for the last few minutes of this segment... I want to talk about something um, that is very interesting. Also, oh, wait a minute. You know what? Let me give this a little tease, too. So I didn't know this, but Sammy Hagar apparently has a beer. It's called Red Rocker Brewing. I'm getting more info on it, and maybe we'll be speaking with um, the either the owners of the brewery or the brewers or whatever, but I'm in the works of doing something. As soon as I get more details on it, I will let you know. I had no idea. So T-shirts about it. I said, he doesn't have a brewery, does he? Well, it turns out I think he does. And I don't necessarily know if it's a brewery per se because it's in Michigan. So my guess is it's probably something that's contract brewed, but I'll get you more information when I can. All right, so we've talked about this for months. Governor Murphy wants to boost the number of liquor licenses in the state, and he has charged the legislature to getting this done, right? And he says, oh, I want something across my desk uh, by next year. I don't know why next year instead of this year because breweries are hurting right now, but okay. Meanwhile, again, breweries in New Jersey, $1 billion in tax revenue goes to the state. All right. So uh, Senator Gordon Johnson, a Democrat from Bergen, told the New Jersey Monitor um, he's drafting legislation that would loosen restrictions imposed on breweries and wineries, allow small towns to obtain more retail consumption licenses, and allow the sale of certain inactive licenses within a given municipality's uh, county, right? So apparently... They're going to split this bill now into three different measures because the initial bill was met with resistance in the legislature. And, gee, I wonder I wonder why it was met with resistance, because I'm sure the restaurant lobby was probably poking at the legislature saying, hey, hi, hello, we've got millions to spend. You need to fix this. You know, you can't give the breweries this, that, and the other thing. And they're not giving the breweries anything. They're just putting them on an equal playing field for themselves, not for the restaurants. So... Johnson says, he says, this is a matter of equality. We're working on allowing small businesses and those who don't have deep pockets the opportunity to obtain a license to serve alcohol in the state. Okay. Um, as we mentioned, he sought, uh, Governor Murphy sought to rewrite the, uh, the Prohibition-era liquor laws to increase the number of liquor licenses. Right now, liquor licenses are um, limited to one for every 3,000 residents in a municipality, right? So uh, a measure that Johnson introduced in February would have phased those limits out over six years while also lifting brewery restrictions, among some other changes. But the legislation uh, got a frosty reception from legislators and existing license holders who say, who say they fear it would shave hundreds of thousands of dollars off the value of their licenses. And I don't disagree with them, 
because there has been no clear-cut answer as to how these people will be, in some ways, fairly compensated, right? So Johnson has now said he is going to split the bill up into smaller pieces after Senator Paul Sarlow, a Democrat from Bergen, chair of the chamber's budget committee, said last week that the initial proposal has little support in the legislature. So again, all right, we're going to bring this bill to vote. Guess what? We're not voting on it. So again, the breweries just you know sit there and, and are stymied, right? Um, a spokesperson for the governor said a comprehensive overhaul of the state's liquor license laws, including brewery rules, license limits, and license affordability, would spur F- economic growth in the state. Okay. Um, Johnson says he hopes to pass a bill before the end of June that would lift restrictions limiting the number of events breweries can hold each year and barring them from serving food. The Division of Alcohol Beverage Control annually renews those licenses in June. He says, I want to get that piece done as soon as possible, and that's probably probably the easier lift, the brewery piece. A second yet-to-be-introduced bill would grant towns with small populations around three to 4,000 additional retail consumption licenses within 12 months. Under the initial proposal, some towns may not have seen their number of licenses increase till the limits were phased out altogether in 2029. That's far too long. And a third bill would also allow towns to transfer pocket licenses, licenses that are active but not tied to any establishment, to other municipalities within their county. Sarlo and others have sponsored similar legislation. He wants something, Johnson says he hopes the bills would reach the governor's desk before the end of this year. Now, Murphy has proposed a one-time credit on these people who have liquor licenses between $30,000 and $50,000, depending on sales, to defray the impact on existing license holders. But Johnson said that number and framework is not final. I mean, honestly, that can't possibly be final. I mean, again, this is such a bottleneck of nonsense. And again, a lot of this can simply be taken care of by the governor for the brewery part, not the restaurant part, uh, uh, the liquor license part. But all Governor Murphy has to do is sign an executive order that suspends the rules until legislation is enacted. And if nothing is enacted at the by the end of the year, then the, the, the rules go back. But, of course, Governor Murphy on News 12 a few months ago said in my tweet to him. I can't. He can't. I can't. I can't. He can't. But he can. Because the the director of the of alcohol beverage control serves at the pleasure of the governor. I don't know how many times I could say this so that it makes sense to him. The bottom line is, this is under complete control of Murphy right now. The rules that are restricting breweries from you know furthering their business, and it's not about serving food. The food thing is off the table. I mean, not to some, but for most, the food thing is off the table. Just suspend the rules until laws are passed. And laws could have been passed back in October. But the governor, once again, doesn't understand the situation. Okay? Now, I like some of what Senator Johnson wants to do. Maybe we get him on the program before this bill is passed or maybe even after it's passed. But the bottom line is, folks, how is it that you tell us somebody that paid uh, three-quarters of a million dollars for a license, we're going to give you a one-time credit of thirty grand? That's not enough. It just doesn't work. It has to. You have to do more to be fair and equitable. And I'm glad that the senator said it's not set in stone. It can move. So let's see what happens. But the bottom line is, these are things that can be corrected today. But of course, as usual, the governor. What did he say? I can't. He can't. Yeah. What are you going to do? When we come back after a short break, uh, Ryan Koga, Carbon Four Brewing, is going to join me on this very program. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast. On AM 970, The Answer.
Well, welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast, uh, everybody. And uh, yeah, Timbuk Three, the future's so bright. I gotta wear shades. Uh, uh, I don't want to say it's not a golden oldie, but it is an oldie from back in 1986. I remember where I was in 1986. I was uh, sophomore, junior year of high school, and I remember when this hit came out from Madison, Wisconsin. The band. We're gonna take you to Madison, Wisconsin, right now as my guest tonight. One half of the Brothers Square that owns Madison, Wisconsin's own Carbon 4, the number 4 brewing, and now they're bringing back the historic Ale Asylum brand that's available in the cheese state now. And yes, Hop Alicious is back. More info at Carbon, that's K-A-R-B-E-N 4, the number 4.com. So let me welcome onto the Craft Beer Cast for the first time, Ryan Koga. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're this welcome. Is, uh... I have to say, you did like the the perfect spelling of our of our name. Usually, that's the the thing that everyone always gets wrong, and that was beautiful. It brought a tear to my eye. Well, yeah. I I appreciate that. Now, Ryan, you and your brother Zach have had a successful brand um, brewing for ten years. Why bring uh, Ale Asylum back now? Um. Well, there was a couple factors. First and foremost, it was it was just a it was a good business decision for us as the as the craft beer world is changing and changing, mm-hmm. um, you know, like either you have to be really retail heavy or lean further into uh, co-packing or contract brewing. I don't think you just get to kind of sit on your own anymore. And um, and so we're leaning clo- uh, further into contract brewing. I mean, our, our brand is strong and it's really good in our state and such, but it only goes so far. Right. So we were already looking to add volume um, to make sure our tanks are full year round. So this was a great opportunity as a as a business decision um, to keep ourselves solvent as a business. But that's that's one that's only one half of it. The other half is that Ale Asylum blazed the trail for craft beer and for Carbon Four, um, you know, in the Madison area mm-hmm. and in Wisconsin. So I just thought, you know, we both thought and really deeply felt that it was a brand that shouldn't just fade into history. There's a lot of people who who um, now that we know, since we brought it right back, um, are very grateful and happy that it's back. And for those people, I thought of them that, you know, it, it, it was a part of their life in the way their life story, the way that they would celebrate any Friday, Saturday or Sunday or whatever, you know. Right. Uh, and and now we now they have it again. You know, it's an important part of their life. And it just feels good to be able to bring back something that makes people happy. So then, uh, Ryan, I'm going to assume the launch party that you guys had uh, a few weeks back was a huge success for fans of that beer that were asking for Ale Asylum basically to come back. We hit the nail on the head. Actually, the, the beautiful thing about that party, it was last, last Wednesday. The best part of it was not that it had anything to do with carbon four that day. Right. We got to sit back and watch everyone have a, a like a family reunion. You know, we had the, the owners, the previous owners of Ale Asylum, um, Otto and Dean mm-hmm. uh, were there and there was former employees. There was lifelong fans. It's just, to watch everybody gather again and they're giving hugs and taking pictures and hanging out. Right. I just stayed really quiet that day and just had a big smile on my face because it was so beautiful to watch them all, you know, uh, share that love and happiness. And, um, and that was like, wow, this, this was a good decision. You know, like this is for them and it's a great decision. See, but that's really cool. And that's one of the great things that beer does is it does bring people together. And you see so many breweries that are open across the United States that are in these towns where, People come and kind of congregate in the town center, um, you know, and have conversations, what's going on. And the fact that you brought back a classic beer and a classic brand from Wisconsin to bring it back to the forefront, 
um, you know, all these years later, I, I think speaks volumes to you guys and your business's success. But also, you could see the people wanted it, and they came out to support it, which is really cool. We're talking with co-owner Ryan Koga of Carbon for a Brewing, who, along with his brother Zach, have brought back Ale Asylum beers to Wisconsin. For more info, head to K A R B E N four the number four. Dot com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer. So, and the other thing you brought up about um, contract brewing, we've seen that a lot more now. Um, there are a number, there are a couple breweries in New Jersey that do a lot of contract brewing for a number of different uh, brewery brands uh, in New Jersey. But we're also seeing it from Twenty First Amendment out in California, where they've started to mm-hmm. expand into contract brewing. And obviously, it is to keep business moving along because there's only so many beers that you can make in your brand that you can get out there. So if you can help somebody, and maybe they don't necessarily have the infrastructure to uh, build their own brick and mortar and sort of make the beer, you can help them out doing it, which is which is really cool. In 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 terms of the creative process of contract brewing, how much control does the person that's coming to you with the beer recipe have? Uh, is it you know, your guys assisting them, or are they doing the bulk of the work? How, how does that work? Well, we've certainly seen both models, you know, where somebody comes to us and just says, hey, I kind of have this raw idea. Mm. Can you help me develop it and bring it to life? And then we're happy to do that. And, uh, you know, but I think maybe more often, especially when you're doing contract bring for an existing brewery, is that um, it, they're in total control. Okay. Um, they bring us the recipe. We take time to say, you know, what's most important? What are you looking for in case there are interpretive moments that we can make good decisions on the fly? But we spend a lot of time. um, Joe Walter, quality manager and R&D director, he's brilliant. And he he does a very thorough job of looking at the recipes and running them through our calculation sheets to adapt that recipe to our specific brew house. And then there's a lot of back and forth about, Hey, is this detail what you wanted or is this one? Do you mind if we do this versus that? And then everything kind of gets worked out ahead of time and agreed upon. And then when brew day comes, it's just execution time. But they're, they're in ultimate control. You know, and if there's mistakes made, you know, we, we own them. Right. We talk about them, we work on them. And, and, uh, so it's actually a really fun, uh, process, um, to bring forward other people's, uh, you know, uh, dreams, inspirations, their ideas. And then to be able to hand it off and say, "Hey, did, I, did we make it?" You know, I mean, it's a good feeling to, to, you know, score basically. Now, Ryan, I was checking out your website. How does a guy who gets a degree in athletic training go to open a brewery? <laughs> They're not exactly on the same path. <laughs> no. Well, I, I was in medicine before, and now I say I'm like a pharmacist. You know, so <laughs> a little bit of psychiatry too. You know, uh, oh yeah. yeah. I I grew up in Wisconsin. I I went to Montana. Um, uh, to to get my master's in athletic training, and then while I was in grad school, I I took some work at a local brewery, getting hamburger hands on the bottling line. One of my best friends was all in the same program as me. He he had a job there, and he called up and needed some help one day. I jumped in, and I ended up working there for six and a half years. Wow! Um, yeah, I finished finished my degree. I got all my national certifications, and I had more letters after my name than in my name at one point in time. And um, but I just I got bit by the brewing bug and uh, one of my other degrees is chemistry too. And I always loved the lab work and uh, brewing is kind of that, that con- confluence point between art and science. Right. So to have some wacky idea and then have to reverse engineer it and actually execute it, you know, with, um, with precision is a, is a wonderful challenge. And then all of the right. mechanical things that go through it, it's like um, there, there's, 
there's always a new challenge, and I think I'm probably addicted to that. That's pretty cool. We're talking with co-owner Ryan Koga he, uh, of Carbon 4 Brewing, who, along with his brother Zach, have brought back Ale Asylum beers to Wisconsin. For more info on all of it, including Carbon 4's beers, head to their website, K-A-R-B-E-N, the number 4, dot com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. So how many beers from Ale Asylum will you and your brother bring back to the public? Will they be taproom exclusives? Will they be canned for sale throughout the state? Um, we're, well, we have, so we bought the whole, the whole portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, and as uh, we're not sure exactly how many we'll do so far, um, we're focusing on their flagship one just at the moment, hot okay. delicious. In right. fact, it's canning right now as we're talking. Okay. Um, and then we'll see how that comes back, but, uh, we definitely want to bring back, there's a lot of seasonals, um, and special beers that they've made over the years right. that we definitely want to bring back. And a part of that is kind of getting feedback from, the fans of Ale Asylum, those those um, consistent customers, and say, "Hey, what what do you what would you like us to make?" You know, there's no point in us making stuff that we're going to have to destroy or buy back. We just want to bring back the really, really um, the things that people really want. So I think things like Amber Geddon, their um, their Amber Unshadowed, Hefeweizen, their Satisfaction Jackson Double IPA, they uh, Bedlam Belgian. There's the list goes on. There's a lot of really, really good beers that they made. And, um, and, and it turns out that once I see the recipes now that I, I see that we actually have a really similar brewing style, okay. very malt driven. So, um, I'm excited to dig into a lot of them, but, uh, we, we've recently got a cardening machine with a variety, variety pack in feed. So mm-hmm. perhaps we'll even get to take some of the greatest hits and turn them into a variety pack. Very cool. Now the, and the plan ultimately is to get Alice Island beers to your various distribution locations uh, within the state, but also, you know, possibly outside of the state like Minnesota and Illinois? Yeah, we, we currently distribute in the entire footprint of Wisconsin. We're in the Twin Cities in Minnesota uh, and then down in Rochester, Minnesota, and a little bit in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And we're about to bump into Michigan um, cool. for Carbon 4 this year. And we just basically, wherever we're, we're uh, selling Carbon 4 beers, we'd, we'd love to sell Ale Asylum beer as well. Awesome. My guest has been co-owner Ryan Koga of Carbon 4 Brewing, who, along with his brother Zach, they've brought back Ale Asylum to the masses in Wisconsin. Uh, for more info on all of this, just head over to Carbon, and that's spelled K-A-R-B-E-N-4, uh, the number four, not not the word for, the number four.com. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Very much appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and for having us on. This has been a real awesome pleasure. Thank you. You got it. Good luck with the Ale Asylum and, of course, good luck with Carbon 4 Brewing. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Final segment of the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast right here on AM 970. The answer. Right 
Uh, it's only Rob Halford and Judas Priest can do it. Living After Midnight from the uh, British Steel album as we've been uh, spotlighting uh, that album for most of this program. And as always, uh, the final segment of the Algatulo Craft Beer cast on AM 970. The answer is, of course, Suds and Duds, which we are going to get into. And also, talking about Living After Midnight. So, um, as you know, I do record this show, and this final segment is being recorded on Friday. And on Thursday... Um, I got a chance to hang with Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head and uh, a number of the uh, PR folks from there, uh, Megan and Alyssa, a number of and Colin, a number of others, um, at a little place called um, Sunlight. Wait a minute. You know what? See, I'm an idiot because I had it written here in the card. Uh, Good Night Sunny, a little bar down on the Lower East Side on uh, St. Mark's Place, which was fantastic, uh, reviewing these. Dogfish had new canned cocktails, which we're going to get into in a moment. So let me dive into Suds and Duds and tell you about some of the things that I've had over the past week or so. Uh, Twin Elephant Brewing released an Italian Pilsner, which is fantastic. Naughty de Estate, uh, just a banging Pilsner. Crispy, delicious, really, really good. Um, when I see one of those things out from you know one of my favorite breweries, I'm running uh, to go and buy it. So it is, uh, it's a great beer. If it's still on tap, if they still have it in cans, you should absolutely get it as the weather is getting warmer. This is the perfect beer to sit in the backyard uh, and have one or three as long as you are uh, not going anywhere. Uh, then uh, over at uh, my one of my favorite places, Paragon Tap and Table, which I did miss the uh, beer dinner that they had for Lawson's Finest Liquids um, and their new Hazy IPA, which I did get a couple of cans of it. Thank you uh, to Sean Lawson and the folks at uh, Lawson's Finest Liquids. I will be trying it. Uh, at some point, we'll be reviewing it over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but they uh, have new cans at Paragon and uh, Tiny S's by Prairie Artisanales. If you like sours, this is a great sour for you. Nice and tart, delicious, 12-ounce can, uh, really, really good, a very, very uh, tasty beer. And then I had the uh, Doppelbanger's Little Shimmy. This is Brick City's version uh, of Little Shimmy that Twin Elephant makes. It's a collab between Bricks and Twin Elephant. Uh, Slamming, not strong. Uh, their version of it I really, really liked a lot, uh, and I liked the fact that it wasn't a hit-you-over-the-head uh, you know, double IPA, which is really, really good. Uh, the good folks from Trogues uh, sent me a couple of cans of Lollihop uh, double IPA, a fantastic double. Juicy, but not overly so. Uh, really, really nice. It, you get that dry hop in there. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good beer, as always. Trogues makes some fantastic beers. And then I finished off the night with a powdered Trax. By Timber Ales, uh, this is a can that I actually purchased over at Paragon because um, they do sell cans to take home. Uh, let me tell you something. Let this can warm up. If you get a can of this from Timber Ales, pour it, let it warm up. The toasted coconut is fantastic. There's a nice little hint of peanuts as well. Um, it is just a delicious beer. It's big. It's boozy. It's exactly what it needs to be um, and was very, very, very good. Uh, then I was outside uh, what was this? On the 6th of April and uh, enjoying a cigar and I wanted to just have something light. So I found in the back of my fridge, Reinheitz uh, by Source Brewing. Uh, just a, it was a beautiful day for a beautiful beer and this is exactly what it is. And the funny thing is when I posted it on social media on Instagram, um, the, the folks from Source were like, we were just talking about this beer in our planning meetings, production meetings. So I'm hoping that they come back with this beer at some point. And they said, well, you figure if they get it in the mash in two weeks, by eh, by middle of July, it'll be ready. Somewhere around there. That'd be really good. And then finally, uh, Hops for Hope 
Uh, my last can of this one from Lost Tavern for uh, the 2022 version, uh, which is a collab between all of these different breweries. They do this great thing where they raise money for pediatric cancer. Uh, it's just a delicious beer. It's just, it, you know, it's it's juicy. It's hazy. It's, it's all the things that you want um, from that type of IPA. Uh, and just a delicious, delicious beer. It was my last can, uh, which I was sad about. But, you know, listen, in October, uh, it'll be back again, the event, and I will definitely be attending because it is such a fun day. It is, for me, it is worth the money spent. It's worth the drive to Pennsylvania. Um, there are no bad beers in the group. There's like, you know, 15, 16 breweries that take part. It's right next to the uh, to the brewery at Lost Tavern in Hellertown. And it is just a great time. There's there's raffles. They raise money. There's food trucks. There's just it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's such a great time. Uh, so let me get into this um, this new crush variety pack uh, that Dogfish Head Distilling uh, has come out with. So it's an eight pack. Now this was great. So we were at this uh, good night uh, good night sunny on the Lower East Side, and um, my my best friend and I we had a great time. This little place in St. Mark's Place, and uh, private event. A uh, small place, but really, really cool. So they gave a, you know, we could try whatever we wanted um, of the canned cocktails. And then they used some of the um, distilled spirits, whether it was gin or vodka. Uh, and I think the two drinks they made were actually vodka. Um, where they would make a drink, I think it was an orange crush and a lemon crush, where they would make it with the distilled vodka. So I had a lemon crush, uh, vodka, excuse me. I had a lemon crush, which was delicious. It was the, it was the, um, Vodka with triple sec, a uh, little bit of uh, lemon juice, I think, uh, over ice with a wedge of lemon. Fantastic. Uh, but then we had we had some of these canned cocktails, which was great. So the um, my favorite had to be the Vodka Crush, which is blood orange and mango. I mean, this was delicious where it was. And here's the best part. All of these cocktails, 7%. They're not like uh, cut water or something that's, you know, over 12%, where if you have two of these cans... You're really going to be, you know, having a problem. So at seven percent, you can kind of chill and drink. You know, I mean, you can drink responsibly, but you you don't have to be, you know, you, you drink three of these and you're you're stumbling around, right? They're the perfect cocktail for the beach. They're a perfect cocktail for a barbecue, and the best part, not super acidic. A lot of these canned cocktails and seltzers and all this other stuff, they have this artificial acidic bite to them that I didn't like. The cocktails finish dry, as Sam was explaining to us. They're meant to finish dry, so you go back and you want to have another one, um, which is smart. I understand that. But the uh, Vodka Crush, the Blood Orange and Mango, probably my favorite. Uh, in the pack exclusive in the 8-pack is the Rum Crush, which is pineapple and orange. That was really good, too. That's what I started off with. I had wished the can was colder, um, but it was a tasty drink. And you really get you get the rum, you get the pineapple, there's a little bit of orange in there. You really get all of the different flavors. There's two shots of uh, liquor in every can. That's where it comes out to about 7%. Um, this one new that's new in 2023, the grapefruit and pomegranate, uh, that's available in four-pack cans. The rum crush is only available if you buy the eight-pack. They had a gin crush, which is a lemon lime, uh, lime. I did not have that one, although I think they gave me a can of that, so I have to try that as well. And then um, there was a blueberry one. Uh, blueberry with strawberry. Um, it felt a little perfumey, um, but it was still tasty. I mean, all of the cocktails were great. It was a great event. I uh, want to thank everybody from Dogfish Head 
um, and Mullen Lowe for having us at the event. It was a fantastic time. We really had a lot of fun, and it was great to finally meet Sam in person. Sam Calagione is just an infectious guy. You just you want to hang out with him. He's he's great conversationalist. He tells great stories, uh, and we had a nice little discussion. And here was the other thing I had asked him because a couple of years ago during the pandemic, I was involved in a Zoom call with him and with Jim Cook from Samuel Adams, and they were promoting their non-alcoholic beers. So um, Dogfish Head did a non-alcoholic beer, which I've talked about on the program, that was a a version of their sequential, except this used lemon instead of lime, and sort of more of a lemon wheat as opposed to the the sequench, uh, which is more you know lime based. So it had that uh, sort of uh, Berliner Weiss type of category, except it wasn't super sour and it was delicious, and there was no alcohol in it. And I I asked Sam uh, on Thursday night. I said, "Hey, um, whatever happened to that non-alcoholic beer?" And it turns out that it was not received that well by uh, Dogfish Head fans because Dogfish Head fans would a non-alcoholic beer. And I guess people who drink non-alcoholic beer in general don't want a lot of flavors. They just want a straight beer that's non-alcoholic. The Sam Adams non-hazy IPA, uh, uh, non-hazy IPA that has no alcohol um, has been received well and is actually still out uh, in the stores. You can get it. I mean, they had it at Coney Island Brewery. Um, when I was there, if you want to drink something that's non-alcoholic. So interesting how that did not, um, Dogfish Head's version did not um, do well. And I'm sad because I love that beer. It was a great beer. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, But it was cool catching up with Sam. It was great. Uh, They gave us a a cooler bag with an eight-pack of these cocktails uh, from the eight-pack home with us. So I'll get to sample them. This is definitely something I would bring to a barbecue for people that don't drink beer. This is a fantastic alternative. It really is. Um, it's, again, the Dogfish Head Distillery uh, Crush Variety Pack. You can get it in the liquor stores everywhere. Dogfishhead.com um, for more information uh, on where you can get these distilled products, which is really cool. Uh, my thanks to everybody involved in the show, including my guest, co-owner Ryan Koga of Carbon 4 Brewing, who's bringing back Ale Asylum beers to Wisconsin along with his brother, Zach. And of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. This has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.